0: Love Talk Radio.
1: a good girl her home had broken
2: That is, and also the Larry Nassar case, uh, where he was uh, convicted and he's going to spend 175 years basically, his life. We'll talk about that. Prosecutors in the uh, Bill Cosby case are uh, looking to introduce 19 other women to show a pattern in Mr. Cosby's behavior to establish a pattern. We'll get our legal experts guess if, uh, if that would be the right call or not. Plus, uh, was uh, Azia's arrest um, really a rapist? We have uh, commentary from uh, Ashley Banfield. We'll talk about that, of course. Uh, also, uh, let's uh, bring in our guest, first of all. Uh we have two guests that uh, are joining us. First of all, he uh the he was the uh, lead defense attorney in the Jody Arias trial that everybody watched uh in this uh, in the last couple of years. And he's welcome uh, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Nurmi joins us. Hello, Kirk, how are you?
3: Good Jordan it's a pleasure to pleasure to be back and uh, happy new year.
2: Happy new year to you too. Also we have uh straight out of the courtroom he's a Bronx attorney seen on Ashley Banfield, seen on Nancy Grace, uh seen on a lot of shows. Uh ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome back Alex Sanchez to the program. Good evening Alex, how are you?
4: Uh hello Jordan, how are you? And it's uh great to be back, and, uh, and I look forward to discussing legal issues with you and Kurt. And uh, I think we're going to have a great time tonight.
2: Absolutely. So let's start with uh, this uh, guy, um, this guy who uh, did a lot of damage to young girls. Here is a clip, courtesy of NBC, and uh, let's take a listen, and then we'll talk on the other side.
5: I've been following what's going on with USA Gymnastics and that horrible trial where these women have to give statements in the court about the sexual abuse that they endured at the hands of the former USA Gymnastics and Michigan State University doctor Larry Nasser. And we're upwards of 150 of these girls, and now women, who had their day in court and to be able to say what happened, now we're going into the fourth day and probably going to get a sentencing coming up next week. But I think really what, I mean, it just it goes back to Jerry Sandusky with Penn State. Who knew? He was being investigated for twelve years. Who's protecting him? How's he allowed on campus? Who knew this? Were there complaints? Who heard the complaints? Were they formal complaints? How does this happen? And it, and it's not just it happened for a year. It happened for decades at Penn State. And then you have the victims. And having known a victim who was involved in something like this, and no one listened to him, he was crazy. How could you say that about this person? This person was held in high regard. And you're saying this, are you making this up? Do you have a problem with this person? So then you suppress it, and then you have suicidal thoughts, like, I don't want to live. He drank, he drank a lot. He went into rehab eventually, and he eventually had his day, but at at a, at a heavy price because it's with him the rest of his life. And you can tell he's empty at times. He's a shell at times because it just never leaves. And it comes and goes where you think of something or something reminds you. He said at a certain type of cologne would just set him off because it would remind him of this person who sexually abused him. And these women, these, these brave women who have gotten in front of this judge and... You know, that, this, I don't even know how to describe Larry Nassar. Um, but he then, this is how delusional this guy is. Larry Nassar admitted to decades of sexual abuse of girls, young women, often under the guise of medical treatment. He actually wrote a letter to the judge in charge of his sentencing. And he said that he's concerned about his ability to be able to face the witnesses over the next four days mentally. He's worried about his mental state listening to all these girls come forward and accuse him of what he did. I don't know what you can give him. I would give him a year for every girl that he abused, and that's still not enough. But I want to know who else was an enabler here. One guy pulled this off. One guy was guilty of this, and nobody knew? Who covered it up? I mean, that's what I want to know. If I give him 150 years in prison, and I say, look, uh, I'm going to lop off 50 years here, I need to know who was helping you here. Like, I don't know if there's any incentive for him to talk, but I need to know. I need answers. Phone records, emails, what the hell? And, he, you know, this doctor who wasn't even licensed to practice in the state of Texas, was, you know, checking out these girls at uh, Bella Caroli's ranch. Did, did Bella understand? Did anybody understand what the hell was going on? And if so, I want you brought up on charges. Now, I think USA Gymnastics has just cut ties with Bella Caroli's ranch from what I just read here. But, I, man, I, I, I'm putting the hammer down here i got to find out everybody who's involved in this. Michigan State, USA Gymnastics, and the fact that he would bring these girls in. 13, 14, 15 years of age. And, you know, you're trusting the doctor. So when he says, this is how I'm going to examine you, and then you had these women who maybe didn't know better. Or you had women who told their parents, and their parents didn't believe them. But
1: man...
5: It's just tough. You just feel for these women. It'll never leave. You get your five minutes, fifteen minutes, thirty minutes to be able to say what you want to say to this guy. But it'll never leave you. And these these women know this. It'll never leave them. And it could be something as simple as what somebody says, how somebody touches them, uh, it you know how he smells you know his did he wear cologne like just weird things like this and and it's just just horrible to read this and this guy has the audacity to say i'm worried about my mental status here where i have to listen to all these women talk about how i abused them oh, man. but it looks like the sentencing is going to take place next week but these girls were speaking out about his abuse saying that they were powerless that he pretended to be their friend He wants forgiveness. I mean, he's the face of evil here. But I hope that we find out who the enablers were. Just like what happened with Jerry Sandusky. People went to prison. There are other people involved in this. And I hope the people who are going after this doctor are going after these other people. Because this isn't just sports related. These are criminal charges that need to be brought up and bring people in but i've been uh... and i think it's what set me off with larry San, you know jerry sandusky is to have a friend who goes through this and to understand what those little boys and now they've grown up into grown men and it, they stay with it, it stays with you and it, you just you take away the innocence there you never get that innocence back these bastards man god so hopefully somebody is going after some other people because it's not just Larry Nasser and he'll rot in hell. Put him away as long as you want, but, man, there's other people that need to be brought in.
3: For more Dan Patrick show. The- okay, let me go do you,
2: Kirk Nermie, first. What's your take on the Larry Nassar uh, situation?
3: Well, well it, it it's flat-out disgusting, and, you know, adding to what Dan Patrick said, it it is interesting what... Um, If this is just the tip of the iceberg I mean how big of a net uh, Did this cast My guess is I think we're about At 160 victims Were there more? There may be some more Out there that still Are afraid to come forward There may be people that know Or were told that failed to protect These children You know, Mandatory reporter laws Things of that nature So I think he's dead on I think it could be the tip of the iceberg And it certainly a disgusting display of, of uh, hypocrisy for someone who is supposed to be caring for these uh, young girls.
2: Alex Sanchez, what's your takeaway from this?
4: Well, to me, it's it's remarkable that this situation could have gone on for as long as it did, with the number of victims before it came out in the public. I mean, I don't know who would. Who would want to cover for this guy? Right. Why would somebody want to cover? Unless you're a co-conspirator and you're gaining some, you know, sexual gratification out of this, why would anybody want to cover for him? I mean, this guy's not—he's a doctor, okay, but I mean, he's not like, uh, you know, somebody that it's not is not irreplaceable or something. I mean, I don't get it. So how could this have gone on to the degree that it did? It is kind of strange to me that these girls, I mean, I would imagine that they would have some type of a female mentor that they could have reported to other than their parents. You know, some there must have been somebody out there that they they could have spoken to about issues and it's hard to believe that somebody could not Have connected the dots a lot earlier And but,
2: it's Possible yeah. that when, once it got Too deep the administration Didn't want it to get out Alex and be brought up on charges
4: Yeah I mean once once Things get too deep then the whole Cover up situation starts to get in there Because then the you know, the, the Olympic committee or wherever it is Or Caroli or whoever's Mixed up with this They become very protective of their organization that they have. And they know that if this comes out, this could destroy them all. But let's say they're aware of it, why keep Nasser then? Why not just, you know, get rid of them? So I'm 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 probably of the belief system that this guy was very clever and he kept things very quiet and nobody suspected him of doing anything wrong. Because I can't imagine if somebody did suspect him of doing something wrong, why not just bump him? This guy's not like, you know, a one-of-a-kind individual in the world where, you know, the whole the whole universe is going to collapse if he's gone. I don't get it.
2: No, it doesn't make... After all these years, doesn't make any sense. But the administrator did resign today. How convenient. And uh, these crimes the people that are covering it up should just be just as culpable and uh how much time can a person covering up the situation or how much time do you think they should get Alex
4: oh uh, oh no, the the covering up i mean what is what does covering up mean what does that mean that you're obstructing justice you're aware the other way. Of what's going on you're aware of what's going on, and you're intentionally you know, you know, guiding police away from any type of investigation. The most likely scenario is if there were some people that did not reveal whatever it is they knew, they probably felt that they, were, they, they would be brought up on some type of charges or civil charges, or they would lose their licenses. But I think it would be very hard to try to establish any culpability for, the, for those people that allegedly covered up, unless you have substantial evidence and proof that you can bring it to, to a court of law to show that these people were you know seriously involved in, in, in a conspiracy to, to, to block the police from, from, from learning what was going on. And that's, that's not likely. That's not likely what happened here. I think this maniac, Nasser, was very clever and sick and diabolical and uh, he covered up his actions very, 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 very uh, accurately. And and I believe he a was lot of
2: married there with his wife.
4: And, yeah, that's uh, the whole she, thing, man. You know, the most diabolical criminals, the most diabolical criminals out there, don't look like diabolical criminals. They look like ordinary people. They look like respectable people. True. They, you know, they look like good church-going people, or, or people that are very religious. Or they go to their synagogues, their mosques, and they do all the right things, and they have the right friends, and they say the right things, and their demeanor, you know, does not indicate a monster. But behind that is, is a terrible illness and sickness, and and they engage in these monstrous activities, and that's why they're so hard to catch sometimes and he's no proof of that. Yes. And no, the
3: uh, judge I, I, gave I was going to some... say if I oh yeah, I, I was going say if I could if I could add to that uh Jordan what Alex was saying, you know, as someone who's handled a lot of cases of this nature, not to this extent, of course, nothing. Few things are this extent, but Alex is dead on right, especially in the um, it's particularly acute, I guess, what he was saying is in the sex offender world Because they have a tendency to blend in, to look normal To know how to operate in polite society And there was also the advantage he had in terms of disguising his operation Was being a doctor And that would invoke a modicum of privacy So there may more than likely not have been someone in the room If there was, maybe they would have turned a blind eye and maybe they could be liable for not reporting um, if if they had that status. But, um, you know, they can be very cunning and getting away with it and knowing how to pick the people that won't come forward, knowing how to pick the right victim, and that's how it drags on for so many years because the person, the, the people they choose to victimize are less likely to report. And by the way, Absolutely. the perfect person, the ideal person
4: that I could think of that, that represents the concept of, of someone that appears to be a normal person but is, you know, a mad madman is, well, Jodi Arias herself. <laughs> I mean, when you look at Jodi Arias, she, she, she was very pretty. She was articulate. She had an incredible command of the English language and the way she expressed herself, but behind it all... If you believe that she was guilty, and the evidence seemed to suggest that she was, she was a monster. And she's not the only one like that. There's a lot of, of people like not. that. And that's what's so frightening.
2: No question about it. And we have another terrible case uh, out in California. Let's take a Teddy's details, and we'll talk. Don't miss outside. our
5: special report tonight on 2020 as those closest to the House of Horrors in Southern California share what they know. And what they know will stun you. Exclusively today, our Robin Nance spoke with 2020 reporter Matt Gutman about covering the story there.
6: Tales have shocked and disgusted the country. Parents David and Louise Turpin accused of holding their 13 children hostage, starving, and torturing them for years. ABC's Matt Gutman has been on this story right from the start and is uncovering much more in a special 2020 tonight, right here on KXY4 News. And Matt, Tell us about it, the initial reaction you had to the story coming in.
0: Shock. I, I saw it on a uh, one of those alerts on the phone and immediately I knew that this was unusual. But the more we have delved into this story, and we've sent teams for 2020 across the country, West Virginia, Ohio, Texas, California, the more we learn about the alleged depravity of this family. Uh, I sat down with the DA last night and he told me that for infractions as small as washing their hands above the wrist, the kids would be chained to their beds for weeks sometimes months, never allowed to leave, even to use the bathroom, that uh, the kids were subjected to systematic starvation, sometimes for decades, the eldest ones, um, that they were taunted. The family had money. Um, David Turpin, who faces uh, 38 counts, was an engineer. He was making $140,000 a year until a few years ago, and they would buy pies, pumpkin pie, apple pie, leave it on the counter, let the kids smell it, but never eat it. There were toys that were given to them or that they purchased. There are still wrapped. They never allowed the kids to play with them. They never allowed the kids outside during the day. Um they would march them from room to room for hours at a time. The more we learn about this, the more horrible it seems and that is why prosecutors here are so determined to, them to, to get the maximum punishment uh, for David and Louise Turpin, who, if convicted, could spend the rest of their lives in prison. Robin.
6: There are so many questions and some of the big ones are how did no one know? And some of this uh, we understand is they've homeschooled their children and it really calls into question the oversight. What is a state's responsibility to even just check up on the kids?
0: You know this is such a good question. So what you're looking at behind me was registered as the Sandcastle Day School. Now nothing was being taught at the school according to the DA. The kids are basically illiterate. Uh, They were just forced to sit around all day and the state of California says it does not monitor Um, private schools it does not inspect them it doesn't go in there so nobody had any idea and because they never allowed the kids out during the day and because they basically cut off contact from the entire world even their family members over the past six years People saw snippets of what was going on. They were rolling outside here in the middle of the night. They were forced to march. People saw them uh, in the windows, marching back and forth, but nobody apparently had any idea of the totality of the depravity that was happening in that house behind me uh, that prosecutors allege happened for all of those years.
6: And here's what I think also another interesting piece is that the children were not given the toys, but they had journals. Okay, hey, if they were illiterate, as many people believe that they probably were, yeah. what were they writing in those journals, and would they be honest, And because I think prosecutors are all excited that this, these could be some smoking gun type of, uh, of entries, but if the parents were so controlling, why would the kids write anything that could get them in trouble?
0: So the journals seem to be this giant wormhole in the universe of isolation that this family created around themselves it's baffling we have no explanation the D.A. has no explanation Um, and you talk about the education of the kids some of them had a third grade education so they were able to write and draw pictures but there were hundreds of volumes and apparently there is some evidence in that and prosecutors hope to use it against those parents um, and they hope to get them the maximum sentence which is life in prison.
6: All right Matt intriguing story we'll be watching very closely tonight on 2020. Once again, that's tonight at ten o'clock only on KXLY four.
1: Okay,
2: Alex Sanchez, let me start with you. Well, what's your takeaway, and how do you think they got away with this so long? This Sahara's uh, in California.
4: I mean, it's another remarkable story. It's incredible to me. Had two people. I mean, you could always have one person that's a madman, but right. have two people together that are both. Engaged in this long term conspiracy. I mean, this is really remarkable. These people, I don't care whether or not there's journals or there's no journals, I don't care if the kids don't even, for whatever reason, are not going to testify. These people are never going to see the light of day because all you have to do is prove that they were under the custody and control of the mother and the father, and the kids were starving or they were not getting proper medical care. They could be convicted of you know hundreds of counts of abuse and neglect and everything else. So they you know prosecutors desperately trying to you know accumulate all this other evidence about journals. I mean that's good, but the reality is that they have they have a basically a lock of a case right now, and everything else would think, just be gravy at this point, you know.
2: Do you think Alex that the uh, mother could work with the prosecution? To say that maybe she was Under his spell afraid And uh,
4: yeah, you, know, you know anybody Any defense lawyer <clears throat> Would probably want to You know Say let me approach the prosecutor But I, that, that, that's pretty weak I mean it's one thing to be under the, the control of somebody for Some temporary period of time When you start getting into the decades Situation then you know It, it loses a lot of its credibility At that point And this guy was out of the house And he was working as an engineer And this mother had a lot of free time And what about the shopping And the the displaying of the pies Just to torture these kids and beating them They're going away They're not going to see the light of day And that's all there is to it And I feel sorry for these kids I hope somehow they're able to recover It's a remarkable case But it's just more evidence of, of madness And we may never fully understand Exactly why these people did what
3: they did
2: Uh, Kirk, uh, what's your takeaway from this story?
3: Well, I definitely agree with Alex. They're not going to see the light of day. And, and, you know, my hope is in terms of the, you know, abuse that they perpetrated, that um, they don't further that abuse by forcing these kids to testify at trial. Um, My assumption would be uh, it wouldn't shock me for these people to, in essence, dare their children. To testify against them, and hope that they, because when somebody's going to prison for life, they don't necessarily feel like they have anything to lose. And if they feel like their kids won't won't speak up, they think, well, maybe they have a chance, or maybe they'll look less like a monster. Mental illness is obviously a big big factor here, and you know, I I don't think any of that though. And agreeing with Alex again, I don't think any of that would be enough to get either one of them to a point where seeing the light of day is a possibility. But um, why they did this, what their means are, if it was just to torture their kids, I believe that they will continue to do so in any way they can.
2: And you remember, Alex, there was a similar story called the Wolf Pack here in New York about four or five years ago, highlighted on 2020 this past week. you remember that
4: one? I don't, I don't remember that one. If you refresh my recollection, though. No. But you know, this isn't the first time we, where we where hear some crazy situation, of 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 some couple that is, is is, is controlling their family in, in some bizarre, complete, antisocial manner. I've I've heard of stories like this before, and certainly, you know, I've represented people that have committed all kinds of abuse against their own kids. This, though, with 14 kids, and for the amount of time that this went on for, that's what makes this so extraordinary. But in terms of the case itself, you know, the parents might be thinking, ah, my kids are never going to testify. You don't need the kids. You don't need them to testify. Police have all the evidence they need. You just need to show the kids were neglected. You know, you need to show that they were abused, the chains in the house, there's no way these people Have any chance of winning this case
2: And Alex Why don't you tell our audience What happens to a guy like this uh, That has been accused Of doing
4: this to children Oh yeah you know Criminals yeah. even the worst criminals Even the worst criminals That I've represented They don't like people that abuse kids They don't like people like that, that Commit these type of offenses The most likely scenario is that these people are going to be in some type of protective custody, but protective custody is like being in solitary confinement 23 Hi. hours a day. And they, they're walked out into like a yard or something like that to, you know, just play basketball by themselves or stretch or something. But uh, they're going to be living a very solitary, isolated existence for the next 45 years until they are dead. So if people get any solace out of that out of that. Well, that's what's going to happen, you know.
2: Absolutely. Uh, anything else on this, Kirk, to you?
3: No, I mean, uh, I, I agree, and if and I if, was oh, misunderstood, I'm not thinking that, that uh, they have any chance to see the light of day or win this case, but I do think they will take every opportunity they can to needle their kids further.
2: We can only hope so. Okay, the prosecutors uh, in the Bill Cosby case want to introduce 19 other alleged rape uh, from Bill Cosby. Here is the backstory. today. we'll talk about this on the episode.
6: 19 Bill Cosby accusers will be could be allowed to testify in the comedian's retrial on sexual abuse charges this spring. Prosecutors preparing the case made that request today. They've asked for permission to have 13 accusers testify. In Bill Cosby's first trial, which ended in a hung jury in June, but the judge only allowed testimony from one accuser in addition to Andrea Constand. Cosby's retrial is now set for April 2nd.
2: All right, Alex, let me start with you. Uh, Should the judge allow this to show a pattern that Mr. Cosby does this to other women? If so, yes, Uh, and if so, why not, no?
4: Well... Remember, the the the, uh, the prosecution previously made this application, the exact same application the prosecutor previously made in the first trial, right? That's right. And now the prosecutor's, and it was denied by the judge except for one witness. So now the prosecutor's essentially making the same application. So why should the judge change his opinion? Now, judges do change their opinion. Sometimes they say wait a minute i misinterpreted the law the first time or there's some new case law that says i could do this but if a judge is going to change his opinion he has to explain on the record why he's going to allow those women to come in and testify i think the judge was probably wrong the first time around i think the those women should have been allowed to testify for the very argument the prosecution made that it did establish a pattern why not and this guy was engaged in this persistent type of activity and criminal behavior. He had a whole program going of handing out dope and you know, getting people drunk and allegedly raping them when they were unconscious. Why shouldn't that come out? I don't understand. The only thing, reason why I could think that the judge did not let it come out was because they were so old and Cosby couldn't be criminally prosecuted on those cases. So if he couldn't be both, Can't you make the you know, argument
2: be, so, uh, that this could be prejudicial to the defendant? Because look, he's only charged with one person, uh, Andrea Constant, and that could clutter up the uh, jury. What
4: about that argument? You know, you know. Anytime the, pro- anytime the prosecution wants to introduce evidence against the defendant, it's going to be prejudicial. <laughs> the very purpose yeah. of introducing evidence is to prejudice the defendant. That's that's the very purpose of it. The question is, is it so prejudicial that would it, it would interfere with the jury's ability to render a fair and impartial verdict? And perhaps that's the reason why the judge kept it out the first time. So I think, it, I, I think the judge made a mistake by not letting it in in the first trial. But if he's going to let it in now, he better have some very significant justification for changing his, first, his opinion that he rendered the first time
2: absolutely and you remember the uh, second trial of the menendez but a lot of things were changed not in favor of the defendants uh in that second trial Narby, uh, what's your take uh, on this uh, matter should the uh, all these women be allowed to uh if so yes why and if no 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 why
3: well i th- i think there's probably several reasons uh no Uh, And the the most prominent being is that uh, this is the rule of the case now Uh, This is the law of the case, the decision was made Unless the judge can point to a specific fact that came up to my thinking in the first trial Say the prosecutor says well look at this testimony Look how it correlates and maps in with some of these others Something that wasn't known before at the time the judge made the decision would have to be the reason the other concern becomes: Is any conviction, like you, like when you question Alex, is is any conviction that comes out of this going to be a product of the evidence related to that particular case, or is it going to be related to past behaviors that may be remote in time, might be different, that sort of thing? So that's a, that's a key component of having a fair trial: is you are being tried for the specific. Charges that have been rendered Against you not Your lifetime pattern If you were now there's exceptions to that And we could probably argue For the next hour whether or not those exceptions Should apply but because The judge said it didn't the first time And because of the danger of Unfair prejudice which is I'm assuming The basis of the judge's original Decision to limit it To one external victim um, I think he. he or she, whoever's making this decision now, should uphold to the law of the case and not change the ball game.
2: Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Okay. Uh, Ashley Banfield spoke out um, for uh, defending uh, Amazi, uh, I can't pronounce his name, the accuser, in an open letter. She is saying that this is not a part of the Me Too movement. Here is some sound of what she said, and we'll discuss if uh, she makes any sense or not on the other side.
7: Well, I'd like to say something here, and maybe this is best done in the form of an open letter to Aziz Ansari's accuser. Ready? Dear Grace, not your real name. I'm sorry that you had a bad date. I have had a few myself. They stink. I am sure it must be really weighing on you. Um, It's hard being a victim. Very painful. Just ask anyone who's been on that end of crime and justice. I cover them every day. It's no picnic. But let's take a moment to reflect on what you claim was the worst night of your life, end quote. You had a bad date. Your date got overly amorous. After protesting his moves, you did not get up and leave right away. You continued to engage in the sexual encounter by your own clear description. This was not a rape, nor was it a sexual assault. By your description, your sexual encounter was unpleasant. It did not send you to the police. It did not affect your workplace or your ability to get a job. So I have to ask you, what exactly was your beef? That you had a bad date with Aziz Zanzari. Is that what victimized you to the point of seeking a public conviction and a career-ending sentence against him? Is that truly what you thought he deserved for your night out? Let me be completely clear. If you were sexually assaulted, you should go to the police right now. If you were sexually harassed and your bad date because of his actions mitigated your ability to do your job, you should definitely speak up and loud. Because that's happened to me too, and it stinks. But if you just had an unpleasant sexual experience, you should have gone home. Maybe just go ahead and tell your friends to avoid this guy. He's gross. Go ahead, tell the date himself he's gross. That he is not the lover that he thinks he is. And without question, don't go on a second date with him. Certainly do not marry a guy like that. But what you have done, in my opinion, is appalling. You went to the press with the story of a bad date. And you have potentially destroyed this man's career over it. Right after he received an award for which he was worthy. And now here is where I am going to claim victim. You have chiseled away at a movement that I, along with all of my sisters in the workplace, have been dreaming of for decades. A movement that has finally changed an oversexed professional environment that I, too, have struggled through at times over the last 30 years in broadcasting. If you're lucky, there's a really good chance that you're not going to experience the toxic work environment that the rest of us have endured, and that is because of the remarkable progress being made against the Harvey Weinsteins and the Kevin Spaceys of the world. The Me Too movement has righted a lot of wrongs, and it has made your career path much smoother. And here's where I'm guessing it's going to be a long career path. You're 23. What a gift. Yet you look that gift horse in the mouth, and chiseled away at that powerful movement with your public accusation, and I'm gonna repeat this because it's important. If you were sexually assaulted, go to the cops. If you were sexually harassed, jeopardizing your work, speak up and speak out loud. But by your own descriptions, that is not what happened. You had an unpleasant date and you did not leave. That is on you. And all the gains that have been achieved on your behalf and mine are now being compromised by the allegations that you threw out there. And I'm going to call them reckless and hollow. I cannot name you publicly and sentence you to a similar career hit, as I'm sorry, because you chose to remain anonymous. Lucky you. But as you grow in your photography career, I really do hope that you remember what you did to someone else's career, all because of that bad date that was not a sexual assault that was not sexual harassment, by your description. And I hope the next time you go on a bad date, you stand up, sooner, you smooth out your dress, and you bloody well leave. Because the only sentence that a guy like that deserves is a bad case of blue balls, not a Hollywood black ball.
2: Goodness, Ashley Panfield. Uh, let me go to uh, Alex Sanchez first on this. Alex, what do you take? What's your takeaway on this situation?
4: I, I mean, I, I basically agree with uh, Ashley. You know, this woman goes out on a date, and uh, right. you know, this this guy's, you know, trying to, you know, have some fun. She wasn't objecting, but Ashley's statement right there. I mean, this sounds like overkill. I mean, she makes it sound like uh, she's making a major you know, major address, you know, put it on the, at some, at some, at some, this is, this is an issue of such major significance and importance. It well, it And on and on and on. A little, a little bit too preachy. Yeah, I was a little bit, I agree with her, but a little bit. Career too suicide. Preachy. Yeah, but you know what? This, this person should have been ignored, to tell you the truth, because it's so preposterous what she is saying that, and anybody should have just not even paid attention to it, because all you have to do is read it and realize this is ridiculous. There's no allegation here, and you know the person making the allegation would have collapsed under her own weight. But to go on and on and use this as a cause celeb, I, I think that's a little bit I, that's just overkill, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Okay, uh, Kurt, what's your takeaway on this story?
3: Well, I guess I kind of take the, the opposite uh, of Alex in the sense that I don't think the horse was, Ashley was on could be high enough because um, I believe an accusation, an allegation like this is not only harmful to the man whose career she's trying to ruin, but also harmful to every woman who makes a legitimate allegation. We're talking earlier about these women on the U.S. Uh, Olympic team and how they, maybe they didn't come forward because they might not be believed. Well, if we're going to have everybody come forward with things like this that, that are not sexual assault, that are not harassment, it is an insult and a slap into the face at every woman who is a victim of that. So, you know, I, I say that Ashley is dead on. Um, You know, I always think that sex crimes are the easiest to be wrongfully accused of. And essentially that's what this woman was doing. Um, And now we have headlines. For example, the article you sent me, is he a rapist? Hell no, he's not a rapist. I mean, we're talking about what she is saying is nonverbal cues. You didn't pick them on my cues. Well, this is not a paternalistic society. If women want equal rights, and they have to be able to say no. Yes, what have you, and stand by that and not force the man to read mental cues, and that is an unfair proposition and is unfair to the man, and it is unfair to the women that are being sexually abused. It's disgusting
2: totally agree you know, the with whole you. thing
4: the whole thing there is that uh, and I, and I certainly agree with Kurt on this. he's absolutely right, but she didn't make any allegations, really. She she said something, and she made you, you know, made a suggestion that something dark had happened. But when you look at what she had written, she, she didn't make any type of substantial allegations against this guy. The thing was ridiculous. I I blame the publisher. Who would publish right. this nonsense? Why is a public She also put herself in the,
2: quote, Me Too hashtag, along with a yeah. lot of women that came forward. So she put herself
4: well, that in that even situation. Why would any legitimate paper Or even an illegitimate paper Publish something like that It's ridiculous <laughs> You know anyway. Well we've
2: seen it time and time again It's, know, it's not credible <laughs> But this guy was, You know he just got a show on Netflix He's on Netflix and he's done a lot And
1: it,
2: we'll see If he gets work from this you know, Black Bolt you know Going forward Okay, we have a uh, caller Let's go out to uh, Mary She says hello uh, Mary you're live on the King Jordan radio show With Kurt and Alex
8: Hi uh, Hi Jordan good to see that you're doing well again And um, Thank you. hi to Kurt And um, and Alex Good talking with hey, you Mary.
1: again Hi Mary How are you?
8: Uh, I'm fine I um, just Just uh, my, I guess my, uh, the main thing that boggles my mind is the crime with the parents and this lack of oversight by the authorities in California. It seems like there should not be any school, private or public, but certainly not private anyway, that is not. Um, You have to file an affidavit so they know you're applying. You name it or whatever. You you name how many students are going to be, and you're the principal. Someone has to have some kind of uh, um, overseeing that these things are really done properly. Because even if it's not a sexual thing or or they were being kept captive or whatever, um, how do you know that these children are receiving adequate education as well? So – so, Annie, I just looked up in California, all you need to do is apply for an affidavit, uh, get in touch with the satellite education program, and there, off you go. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, you know? Well, and, um,
3: Mary, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt
8: you. Go ahead. <laughs> um. Well, then the other thing I just want to make sure I hear you guys are never going to see the light of day. I hope there is no plea deal whatsoever in this case, uh, where they have one pinned against the other. And I do know that they are not allowed to talk to the children. Yesterday, they went on a hearing, and the judge ordered a no contact of any kind whatsoever of either parent with their children, but they can receive information. Through their attorney, and that's it. So, well, you know, called, uh,
3: yeah, go ahead, oh, Kurt. go ahead, Alex. I was um,
4: going to say that's that, called the, a, basically an order. That's called an order of protection. The kids have an order of protection, and uh, you know, the judge is basically telling the parents, you know, I'm ordering you to stay away from them. Don't have any contact. That's what that is. And regarding the. Uh, the, the case with the parents and the oversight that you were talking about. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, how come no authorities, social services authorities, educational authorities, even police authorities, nobody became suspicious about what's going on, about the lack of medical treatment or vaccinations or, you know, nobody knew it was going It is remarkable in the extreme and uh, you're 100 percent right. You know, people cannot be allowed to just go on and have this type of control without anybody looking over their shoulder, because that's when abuse takes place.
2: It's very sad. that yeah, of the girls that turned women were, uh, some of them, committed suicide. Go ahead, Kirk. Uh, I'm sorry to
3: interrupt you. Yeah, Mary, just, just to... To kind of piggyback a little bit on what Alex is saying, in the, uh, against the order of protection, that tells me that you know California probably doesn't have a victims' bill of rights like we do in Arizona, which would be a per se bar. But I'm assuming that the prosecutors requested um, that situation, or or guardian perhaps, and you know, on some of the children's yeah. behalf did because they're concerned that the parents are going to try to manipulate the kids because. There could right. be, you know, you know Alex is right, there could be all this evidence enough evidence of neglect to put them away for life. But now, if the prosecutors in California are like the prosecutors in Arizona, they are required uh, to investigate every instance of sexual abuse that they can under the theory that if these people did it to their own children, they might have done it to others. Who knows what? who knows what they were up to So that's why I talking about having the forcing the kids to testify, manipulating the kids they are probably these parents are probably trying to mitigate their damage because even though we can sit out here as rational human beings and say they're never getting out again, the person who is in that situation, is not going to give up hope, and they are going to feel that there is some way that they can get out of it, and they're going to do whatever they can to do it. And they know they've had success at manipulating their kids for 20-plus years. So that is probably the reason for the protection, and certainly you're right regarding the charter school issue in – or homeschool issue, rather, in California.
8: Thank you, guys, and have have a nice evening. Um, I'm in Hawaii, sunny Hawaii. And, Kurt, um, I saw you on uh, Jody Areas the uh, the other day, and uh, that that's sort special. of a bunch of memories. But, anyway, you'll have a good evening.
3: Have, I haven't watched it yet. Was <laughs> that on the
2: ID network? That's special?
3: It was. It yes, was. was.
2: Uh, I think you had enough of that for one lifetime. <laughs> Thanks, Mary, for the call. <laughs> And uh, thank you, Alex, for joining us here tonight. Thank you, uh, Kurt.
3: Pleasure. To, uh,
4: it was a lot of fun. It was. A lot of was, fun to be on with you. And, Kurt, it was great being on with you, too. Pleasure to meet you. Alex,
3: Alex it was nice meeting you, and, and hopefully our, our paths will cross again. I'm sure yes, they will. And,
2: uh, of course, uh, just do you want to tell them your website, uh, uh, Kurt, uh, about your books, et cetera?
3: Sure. I uh, think. They can go on to uh, Nermi Unchained. It's a, a lot of my work with uh, lawyers. If there's any lawyers listening, I start doing life coaching for lawyers. The stress, that sort of thing that, that they're encountering in the legal profession that, that ultimately led to my health problems. I'm trying to uh, do what I can through speaking and, and coaching and, and writing to uh, to help out.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, Alex, while you're here, if anybody's listening, what is your website?
4: My website is Alexander, area. AlexanderSanchez.com. And Welcome to look it up and read about me, and if you need my services, give me a call.
2: Absolutely. Okay, uh, we'll speak to you guys uh, soon. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
4: All right, All right good Jordan. night. Bye Take bye. care. Bye now.
2: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Alex Sanchez. And the great Kirkner, me two wonderful guests uh that we had here, and uh it was a great way to uh bang up the uh, new year um as a lot of you know i uh was injured uh for a while. don't want to get too much into that but uh so we're gonna to try to do uh some shows uh, regularly uh expecting Richard Herman next uh next time that we do a show, so we'll concentrate on that. A lot of interesting topics uh, we discussed from the comedians getting falsely uh, accused, Uh, the um, prosecutors looking to show pattern in the Bill Cosby retrial, which my buddy Tom Mesereau, by the way, is the uh, head lawyer now of that, but I uh, still think that Mr. Cowsby is guilty of something, despite uh, me and Tom being friends. Um, the uh, case of the um, 12, I think it's 12, it 12, a lot of children locked up in that apartment is horrific. Just thinking about it makes me absolutely uh, unequivocally sick. And of course, the cover-up and the crime uh, with the uh, doctor and over a hundred plus kids, and we're talking six years old to nine years old. Terrible, terrible story makes you just so sad. Well, we got a minute. Check out Joey Jackson fans. Our friend Sharon runs that. Go over there and give it a like. Uh, let me give you a shout out to uh Vicky, Madeline, uh Lorraine who uh I think just listened for the first time. Big shout out to you. Mary, Sarah and uh Vicky and all the rest. Uh so we had Neil Diamond um in the news, unfortunately he is now suffering with uh Parkinson's disease and that's so sad But the reason I bring him up is because we're going to leave you with, uh, I believe, one of his uh, best songs uh, of all time. So uh, let's get to that. And, uh, of course, thank you for everybody's support uh, listening to the program as I look for this uh, thing here. Um, So have a good night. And... uh, Follow us on Facebook.com forward slash King Jordan Radio and on Twitter, King Jordan R-A-D. Have a good night, ladies
1: and gentlemen. Here's Neil Diamond. Burden runs off my shoulder. How can I hurt when holding you? One touching one.